Uh, I, I don't want to embarrass you in front of all your new artsy fartsy theater major friends. You know, we're, we're just going to stay here. We're going to play cards. You go have fun. Come on, Finn. Finn, look at me. All right, I beg you. No, I implore you to come to this party with me. All right, I realize that I wouldn't know how to make it through this world without all of your unsolicited wisdom and all your guys' constant fuckwithery. What do you say? You don't really mean that. I wouldn't say it if I didn't. <laughs> that was great. Thank you very much. Welcome to Your Pick, a film podcast. I'm Geneva. And I'm Tatum. We are two friends who love movies and love sharing them with each other. Each week, we take turns picking a film that is close to our hearts and talk about why it moves us, to tears, to laughter, and everything in between. We celebrate the craft of filmmaking, as well as the unique and personal ways we find meaning in the movies we watch. Back again, Tatum. How is it, how's it going for you? Uh, I'm doing swell. I'm excited to talk about this movie today. Uh, I think I'm more awake than you are, so that's, that's, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah, easy to be. Easy to be. Uh, I've not slept very much in the last week or so. Um, just the, the joys of moving. Um, so, But, you know, I'm excited to be here, excited to be talking about this movie. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, have you been watching anything good in the last? I I have. I actually can't recall mentally when was the last time we recorded because I feel like it's been more than a week just because I've watched so much stuff, but maybe I'm mm-hmm. wrong. Um, but anyway, I'll just say like briefly the things that I watched and then kind of just go into them generally because I don't want to take too much time. But um, so I, I think this is probably going to tip off people as to when we actually recorded this. But um, so I went to go see Barbie and Oppenheimer this past weekend. Um, it was it was a great time. Uh, I went to Barbie with a group of friends. We all dressed up. It was fantastic. Uh, I dressed up as Ken. Tatum's outfit was amazing. Thank you. Uh, yes, I tried to harness my inner Ken, my inner denim Ken. Your, your Kennergy, you might say? Yes. my I tried to Ken really hard. Um, but yeah, I actually thoroughly enjoyed Barbie. I would highly recommend it to people. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect going in, but I trust, Geta, I, I trust Greta Gerwig, uh, even though Little Women was a little bit of a, of a, a miss for me. Um, but I, I trust her. And uh, she pulled through. I thought the movie was fantastic. I really liked um, the message of the story and the way that it, in my opinion, subverted all expectations. I thought it was going to be this movie that was very kind of basic and on the nose of like, women are important. Don't put the women down. And I mean, part of it was that, but also the way that it navigated that was in a really unique, interesting way. And then it tied things in with Ken at the end and showed how both men and women are valuable in society for specific reasons. And and they're just human beings who deserve to be treated like human beings, um, while also just shedding a light on how difficult it can be to be a woman in the world. Um, Also, like... This is some of the best production design I feel like I've ever seen. Uh, the production design is absolutely phenomenal. The costumes are out of this world. Um, I would say 
even if you don't like the subject matter, which I feel like most people would like the subject matter, even just for a visual spectacle, it's it's worth seeing. Um, so that's Barbie. Highly recommend. Uh, like I said, I also saw Oppenheimer. Um, I saw it in IMAX 70 millimeter, which for those of you who don't know what that is, yeah, it is a it's the best. huge, it is a huge ass screen, like, like as big as a house, basically. Um, maybe even bigger than a house. It's very large. Um, it, it, it did not, I guess, pun unintended. It did not blow me away. Um, I, Christopher Nolan's last few films have been a little bit of a disconnect for me in terms of the story and the characters. Um, I feel like there was a lot of potential with this film that it didn't quite deliver on just for me personally. Um, I look forward to watching it a second time. I feel like I might possibly enjoy it more a second time. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, I mean, everyone loves this movie, so I would say probably watch it and you'll like it because everyone likes it except for me. Uh, not that I dislike it. It just was like, yeah, okay, you didn't dislike it. Fine. You just like it a lot. You like it a bit less than yeah. Than most other I thought it. I thought it was fine. I thought the ambition behind it was great, but the story didn't fully work for me, and the screenwriting didn't fully work. But Killian Murphy gives the performance of a lifetime, uh, and you know, it's it. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I it wasn't necessarily for me, uh, but I'm glad I saw it, and uh, I'm sure you'll like it because everyone loves it. Um, and then other than those two, just really quickly, I have. Uh, really been diving into some queer cinema recently. Um, I've made myself a watch list of like a bunch of queer movies that I want to watch. And I watched three of them this week. Uh, one of them is called dating Amber. The other one is called love Simon. And the other one is called weekend. Uh, all of them very good. Um, but different types of stories. Um, dating Amber is about two queer teens, um, who, they're basically being made fun of at school for being gay. And they're like, well, if we pretend to date, then everyone will leave us alone because they'll think that we're straight. And so they form this beautiful friendship between the two of them. And uh, it's kind of about how they navigate just life as teenagers, as queer teenagers, and them both owning their own sexuality in their own ways and in their own timing. Uh, It's very good. I cried at the end. Uh, Love, Simon is another good movie. It's a very, um, like, cliche teen high school coming-of-age romance type of story, except the queer aspects of it are what make it different. Um, And I like the concept of taking this very traditional model that we've seen for these types of films, but having it be a queer story as opposed to a straight story. Um, I also cried (laughs) in this movie. I don't know if we see a trend. Um, but yeah, just very powerful about this teenage boy being gay and like coming out in, in his own timing, but also being outed by someone else and how that, you know, whatever, how that affects him and, and his friendships and his relationships and everything. Very good movie. Uh, highly recommend if you are just kind of both of those movies, like if you just want to kind of feel good, but also see it from a different perspective that you might not have seen it before. I would highly recommend those two. And then the last one, this movie came out of nowhere. I had never heard of it until I did some research and I watched this movie and I was like, this is one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. Granted, it's very much so a Tatum (laughs) movie. (laughs) Um, It's like a, it's like a very uh, chill indie movie that's a lot of talking and just watching people live their lives and talk about like 
their emotions and the way they interact with the world. And, um, but it also has a love story aspect to it. It is absolutely beautiful. It's about two men in their, I'm assuming early thirties, maybe late twenties. Um, but the movie starts with them having a one night stand and, uh, it ends up being this beautiful weekend between the two of them where they just learn about each other and talk about their lives and love and being gay and all of these things. It's a really, really, really powerful film that is very, um, emotionally poignant. And, um, yeah, I, I found myself while watching it thinking like, this is kind of the gay version of before sunrise, which it is, but also very different, um, because, because they're queer. So that in and of itself makes it like take different sorts of themes and tones. Um, is it, um, is it an American movie? No, it, I, I know that the actors are br- British and so I'm not sure. I, I'm pretty sure it's not an American film, but I don't know specifically like how that shakes out. Um, but yeah, I think it's a perfect film. I, I was absolutely blown away. The acting is the acting alone. I just, the vulnerability that these men show on screen and the, just like the chemistry is so palpable and so beautiful and so real. It's just, I think it's an important film, um, in terms of just shedding light on what love can look like between, uh, gay people queer people and how it can be real and not like a joke or not you know debaucherous or whatever it's like no this is real love between two human beings um and it's incredible i i highly 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 recommend the movie weekend um so yeah i watched it on uh, i actually watched dating amber love simon and weekend all on Tubi. I don't know if Tubi is like now the new like queer streaming service. I don't know. Tubi, like all those sort of free with ads apps, you can find some really some, some great hidden stuff. gems. Yeah. yeah. They have a lot I feel like they have a lot of indie movies mm-hmm. that found it hard to get distribution elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um when I do like <laughs> actor deep dives, sometimes I'll find like their early obscure work on mm-hmm. Tubi, which is always really fun to um to dig through so yeah there's some good stuff on Tubi yeah Tubi's great um so yeah I I yeah I I wish I could talk about these movies more but I've already talked about them for quite a long time yeah. but Weekend is very good <laughs> with with Weekend I feel like I've I've heard that name but I don't really have a context for it is it a recent movie and is there like a a big name attached to it in terms of director star anything like that there are no big names attached to it, as far as I know. It came out about 10 years ago. I think it was like 2010 or 2011, something like that. Um, but yeah, as far as I know, it's not, it, it's very much so like very indie. Um, I think it was in some festivals and things like that. Um, but yeah, I think it's very much so kind of like a maybe potentially only queer people know about this movie because <laughs> why would anyone else find it type of thing? Yeah, it's it's incredible. It's really good. Yeah, interesting. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, yeah. Anything else? Uh, aside from the like six <laughs> things the I three just said. things that just like completely transformed your heart uh, and soul. <laughs> no, no, that's it. All right. Uh, let me just say, there's a lot of great queer cinema out there. So mm. go 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 looking for it. It's great. Yeah. All right. For myself, I mean, I I mentioned I'm in the midst of a move and I've not really had a whole lot of time to watch things recently. Um, But I did, 
I did not participate in the full Barbenheimer. <laughs> I have not gotten around to see Barbie yet. Um, I will rectify that as soon as I can. But I did see Oppenheimer. I also saw it on IMAX 70 millimeter. Can I just say that Geneva mm-hmm. and I both like drove H- hours. How, how long did you have to? How long was your drive? Uh, well, I had to stop halfway through, but altogether probably about two and a half to three hours. Yeah, my drive was four hours, so I spent eight yeah. hours of my day. To go see Oppenheimer <laughs> and Geneva spent what like we six? are dedicated to cinema, guys. Yes, not not movies, cinema, cinema. <laughs> yes. Um. Anyway, yes. So I saw Oppenheimer. Unlike Tatum, I was blown away. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. Tatum and I had a really great conversation about it afterwards, which I really appreciated. Um. Kind of the things that you know worked for worked differently for us, read differently for us. Things that worked for me were, didn't work for her. Um, that's totally fine. But yeah, I love this movie. I had read the book last year when the project was first announced, which I think may have helped um, in the sense that I think I, it did. Yeah, I think it really helped in the sense that I, you know, the, this movie is not quite what was marketed, um, which I understand because it is hard to market a talky, you know, three hour largely set in uh, labs and um, hearing rooms um, drama. But um, so since I had read the book, I knew a lot about kind of what shape the narrative was likely to take. And I think that helped to set my expectations. But yeah, I, I think this film is masterful. I think it's an incredible adaptation and an incredible use of the biopic formula to while adding things to make it really interesting and um, make it different from your typical biopic and really get a sense in using the the medium of film of audiovisual storytelling to get a full sense of a person's life and their experience of their life and the legacy that they've left and the way that other people see them in the course of three hours which is an incredible achievement um there is so much that i still have to process i'm really looking forward to seeing this movie again um and continuing to think about it because it just raised so many questions and so many thoughts in me about the just the fallibility of human nature the 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 way that history is determined by um people who are making decisions based on their own internal you know biased and fallible logic and the way that we intellectualize the decisions that we make and um, can abstract them from the human cost and un- not fail to understand the impact that we're having until it's too late. Yeah, there's so much more that I <laughs> I want to unpack with this movie. But the performances, as Tatum said, they're all excellent. Killing Murphy, just one of my one of our great actors. Um, he gives an incredible performance here this is an actual absolute murderer's row of amazing character actors we're backing him up you know every single scene that someone else pops up and you're like oh my gosh i know that face they have one line here but i'm not gonna forget them because it's that person that i've loved from that thing uh which is always great um the score is amazing i've been listening to it at work (laughs) which maybe is not the greatest (laughs) idea because i do tend to get kind of pumped up and anxious but um it's an incredible score and um just shout out too to jennifer lemay i think that's how you pronounce her name who's the editor for this film um i think she edited tenet as well but she i think she did as well i think she yeah yeah she did an incredible job um with this movie this is a movie that you know it's 
classic Christopher Nolan. He loves his multiple timelines. <laughs> he loves creating meaning out of jumping through time um, and seeing things from multiple perspective and um, collapsing a person's life so that events are put alongside each other and, and meaning is created out of it. And she does such a great job of working with him and his vision. So yeah, uh, loved Oppenheimer. Go and see it. Very well worth the three hours. <laughs> I'm assuming we'll have an episode on the podcast about it at some point. So uh, I will. Uh, I would not be shocked. Yeah. I mean, you would have to choose it, but I'm sure you would choose it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not going to go into all that much right now. Plus, you and I already talked about this for like literally yeah, an hour yeah. and a half. So yeah. <laughs> Plus, I think it'll it'll our conversation whenever we do have it next will benefit from us having seen it. I, well, I will have seen it again. I, I don't know if you'll have seen it again unless I choose it for the pod, but us having sat with it for a long time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, two other things that I watched this week, uh, two kind of classic film gaps that I filled. So I watched a Western movie called Shane, um, which is kind of, you know, always on the list of the, the all-time Westerns. <laughs> And I, I'm not going to say it's my one, a new favorite Western of mine, but it was really impactful, especially having watched it in the context of just finishing um, the book Five Came Back. I mentioned a few episodes ago that I had started it. I've just finished it. It's a fantastic, fascinating, really moving book about um, five Hollywood directors and the the service that they performed during World War II and the experiences they had and how that changed them as filmmakers. So Shane is directed by George Stevens, who prior to World War II had mainly been known for light comedies and musicals. Um, that was kind of considered, to, he was one of the best in the business at that. Um, but he, during the war, a, a large part of his service was at the end of the war, documenting the liberation of Auschwitz and the atrocities that were discovered there. And the work that he did during that really profoundly changed him as a person. Um, and so this movie is very much, um, I think he said in the book, something like this was his version of a war movie or him kind of processing his experience in the war without it technically being a movie about World War II. It is a Western, but it's about this idea of a, a man who has is trying to escape from his past as a gunslinger. There's some, you know, horrors that he's experienced, ways that he feels that he has blood on his hands. And he's he starts to um, work for this family and is trying to help them and protect them in their um, struggles against this um, these wealthy landowners that are, are threatening to push out the um, the poorer families in the area, and um, yeah, it's it's just really fascinating to watch in that context. It's a very well made movie. The acting is excellent. It has that kind of classic, you know, western sort of almost fable fairy tale like um, quality. You know, where it is kind of just examining these big questions about human nature, which is something that I really love about the Western genre. So if you if you like a Western, I would definitely recommend it. Um, and then uh, moving from the 50s to the 70s, I watched a movie called Clute, uh, which is a movie starring Jane Fonda and Donald Sutherland. Um, it's kind of hard to... I was <laughs> thinking beforehand, how do I actually describe this movie? It's very hard to, to figure out how exactly to quantify what it is it's very much in the sort of 70s 
um, surveillance culture, paranoia, distrust of people and institutions, that sort of milieu that movies like The Conversation are coming out of. This movie is about, it follows um, Donald Sutherland's character, a uh, detective named John Clute, as he tries to uncover what happened to a friend of his who dis- mysteriously disappears. And the last contact he was known to have was to this um, high-priced call, call girl uh, played by John, Jane Fonda. But really, this is a movie, this is so much Jane Fonda's movie. It's a movie about her as this, existing in the, as this woman in a city, and just the ways that her um, her career as a sex worker, it gives her empowerment, but it also leads to her vulnerability and um, the ways that she feels um, like she needs to exist. She she is terrified of letting people in for good reason because of the ways that men, because of what she does, have looked at her as an object to own and as something that they feel the need to um, to control and to punish. And so it's, it's very much a sort of feminist text, um, seventies feminist text about womanhood and and gender dynamics and power and control and all of these things. It's a really, really excellent movie. Jane Fonda. (laughs) I mean, obviously she's a legend, but I, I feel like I didn't know that she was like, I didn't know (laughs) she was such an incredible actress, you know, like obviously I've seen her do great work before but I was just like this is a whole nother level um so Clute I highly highly recommend all right so that is what I have watched this week let us move on to the movie we're talking about today so this week on the podcast we are discussing everybody wants some with two exclamation points 2016 film by Richard Linklater starring Blake Jenner Zoe Deutsch Glenn Powell and Wyatt Russell among many others Linklater has called many, this film many others. many many others many, many others. others so many people who need to be huge stars some of them are doing really well some of them have not really seen in a while and I just think this well we can talk about it movie has a great cast <laughs> Uh, Linklater has called this film a spiritual sequel to his 1993 hit Dazed and Confused, which was also a kind of nostalgic hangout film following a group of friends over a short period of time. In Everybody Wants Some, the point of view character is Jake, a freshman pitcher for a Texas college baseball team in 1980. The story begins with Jake's arrival on campus and takes us through the long weekend before classes begin, which Jake and his teammates spend partying, chasing girls, getting to know each other, and trying on different identities. The film is much less interested in plot than in exploring the colorful, hyper-competitive community that Jake has stepped into and the intricate dynamic shifts that take place as a group of disparate personalities grow into a team. Jake quickly bonds with Dale and Finn, two friendly upperclassmen, but receives hostility from McReynolds, the team captain and a genuine pro-baseball prospect. He clashes with his roommate, Billy, nicknamed Buter Perkins, by the rest of the team, but he gets life advice from Willoughby, a transfer student and fellow pitcher, who, it turns out, is secretly 30 years old. At the end of the weekend, he connects with a sweet performing arts major, Beverly, about the value of having something in life to be passionate about. Richard Linklater came up with the idea for Everybody Wants Some around the mid-2000s and wrote a first draft based on his own experience as a Texas college baseball player in the 1980s. However, with a large cast that would be mostly young unknowns, it took over a decade to pull together the financing. 
After a lengthy audition process that included some open casting calls at local Texas colleges, Linklater suggested, selected a group of young actors he thought could bring the energy he needed. He brought the whole cast to his own ranch for three weeks of rehearsals so they could b- build chemistry with each other. And he worked with each actor to tailor the script to fit their individual abilities and personality, allowing them to improvise and contribute ideas. The whole cast was given lessons on baseball and dancing, and they were encouraged to learn as much as they could about the culture and feel of the time period. I see Tatum is laughing about the baseball and dancing, um, because if anyone is not aware, um, if you love this movie, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes footage um, that you can get on YouTube, and there's a particularly delightful video that is just about the cast um, learning how to dance and the adorable like tiny little dance teacher who is just like this little spark plug of energy and she like knows all the uh the cool 70s disco moves and is teaching them all and it's just the most cute and wholesome and delightful thing um highly recommend so all right everybody wants some so uh, i'll just quickly go through my own history with this movie um I first discovered this movie in probably 2017 or so, so like maybe five, six years ago. It is, I just like instantly fell in love with it. This is one of those things where it's a movie that seems like it should be opposite (laughs) everything, and yet somehow just because of the sensitivity and the way that it's made... It's like this movie was made for me. I my college experience was not had nothing to do with sports. My history with sports on this podcast is well documented. Um, and yet, something about the way that these people interact with each other their the their friendliness, competitiveness, how they're all trying to like be witty and out clever each other. They have so many just in jokes and um, traditions. The way that the groups form and. Um, the way they fight with each other and pull each other back. I don't know, just it like it all resonated with me, even though it was like the opposite of my friend group in many ways. It just it's so universal the way that the people act in this movie. This is just one of the most fun movies ever made. The casting is so excellent. Everyone is just so charming and um, silly. Like, you know, on the outside, this should be just bros that you're kind of disgusted with and yet you don't you're not you just want to hang out with them you know I just man I I really want to go to college in 1980 because it just looks like so much fun Uh, obviously this is a very you know this is a movie that's very much filtered through nostalgia but I think it does have some insightful things to say about the way that we explore and we create our identity and the way that we create meaning in our lives so yeah I love this movie it's so much fun um Tatum what about you what's your history with this movie well first of all I find it very interesting that not that you like this movie but I I find it interesting that you like it as much as you do because I feel like for me a huge not a huge part of the reason why but like one of the big reasons why I love this movie is because of the sport aspect of it Um, because I feel like that is kind of a a big part of the film in terms of it's, in my opinion, sports are this beautiful thing that bring a bunch of random people together and they have this one thing in common and that's kind of all that matters. Like, all you need is this thing and then it unites people that otherwise probably wouldn't be hanging out. And I, I love that, that dynamic that sports can bring to life. And so I find it interesting that this is, 
and again, not that this is a movie that connects with you, but because sports is kind of the catalyst of all of these relationships, I, I'm surprised that, that you relate with it as much as you do. Um, but anyway, that's beside the point. Um, yeah, so I I love this movie. I think this movie is amazing. Uh, I think I've said before on the podcast, I'm a very big Linklater fan. Um, I love his directing style. I love how he interacts with his actors. I love his writing style, the stories he creates. Um, and I think this movie is just a lot of fun. This movie is so much fun from start to finish. There is no part of this movie that I don't like. Every single scene, every single line, every single character is likable and lovable. And like, I feel like kind of similar to what you said, if I met these men in real life, I would hate them. I'd be (laughs) like, you are misogynistic. You're sexist. You're all of these things. Like, what's wrong with you? But I, I think getting to see kind of the inner workings of boys are just dumb like like it just not that they're always dumb but I feel like in particular at that age when you're on a team with a bunch of people that aren't necessarily there for their schoolwork but they're for a sport uh and I'm not saying that's what all college athletes are like but I think in this movie it's established that like a lot of them are not actually here for school they're, they're here for the sport of it and um yeah I don't know it just it it really works from top to bottom for me um I it's very nearly a perfect film uh, from my perspective. I can't fully say it's perfect because there are just certain things that are said that rub me the wrong way. I understand that this is a nostalgic capture of the 1980s and things were said back then and it's not as problematic back then or, or whatever. Um, but just for me now, it's like, ugh, I wouldn't. I'm, uh. um, but overall, I, I think this movie is fantastic. Uh, I don't really know what more I can say about it. I feel like saying that every scene, every character every line is great is like the biggest compliment I can give this movie. So I'm like, what else is there to be said? I know um, one of those episodes where it's just like, let's just go scene by scene and talk about how much we love the scene. I like, think it's, we it's should hard just, not to do. I think we should just live live stream it. Like, let's just watch it and just <laughs> do a commentary. Episode. Yeah. I, honestly, <laughs> if we were to ever do that, this would be the movie to do it for. I feel like, yeah, I think the problem though would be just, I would just at a certain point, just stop talking because I just want to watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, if you haven't picked up on it, Geneva and I both uh, highly recommend you watch this movie. Hopefully you've already seen it and that's why you're listening to this episode. But if you haven't seen it, go yes. watch it. If you it's have great. not, stop what you're doing, go watch it and then come back. Yeah. And if you're ever in like a down in the dump sort of mood, pop this baby in the DVD. Well, most people don't have DVD players anymore. I watch this on a DVD, but uh, just- I watched just, it on Blu-ray. Yeah. Just like turn this on. It's great. It's it's a vibe, and uh, vibe movies are the best. And Richard Linklater is one of the best at making vibe movies. So he really is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's I like, just realized. Uh-huh. I wonder what it would be like to watch this movie high. I'm like, hmm. I wonder what that experience <laughs> would be like. Probably great. <laughs> Maybe that's what we could do. We can we can turn the movie on. We can record an episode after. My- you could do that. <laughs> yeah, that that would be that's funny. That would be um, interesting. 
Yeah, it would be making the 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 bong hit scene would be. Um, I feel like it could be dangerous if you have a competitive spirit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I love that whole conversation of of uh, that guy just over and over again being like, "There's no possible way that you could actually consume that." But like, there's no way. Like, uh. Wyatt Russell's delivery of "I think that is a new school record." New school is just record. So good. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. Yeah, yeah. I I really love the line that Jake says toward the end where um Beverly is like shocked that he's a baseball player cuz she's like you're not dumb enough. And he's like, "Well, the ratio of intelligence is about the same on my team as it is in the rest of the world." And she's like, "Not much." And he's like, "Yeah, pretty much." Yep. <laughs> but it is true. Like I this movie to me as a non-athlete who <laughs> is generally kind of dismissive of sports in a way that like I I really shouldn't be like well I mean this is this is the thing about this movie like let's let's start with that right here why do I love this movie if I don't care about sports I feel like this movie it does such a good job of making the case for why sports why people love sports and what it can do in their lives and it does it in this sort of universalizing abstractizing way that I really love which is like if you get me to think about it in terms of art, that really helps me to understand and connect with it. And this movie does that. I mean, it does it very directly at the end when Jake and Beverly bond over the fact that even though they come from two different worlds, they have two very different passions. The idea that they have a passion at all, that they have something that allows them to connect with other people and brings them all together toward a common purpose that gives them meaning in life. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. That's like, so okay. crazy to me because literally <laughs> like every sports movie has that message. <laughs> but I feel like for you, for some reason, it only connects here. Maybe it's because it's explicitly stated. I don't know. But like every sports yeah. movie that like that is the reason why we love sports. <laughs> like that's why sports, <laughs> that's why people love them. That's why we play them. That's why they exist. And so like that for me is inherently a part of every single sports movie that exists it's like this is an automatic Mm -hmm. given like that's what a sport is that's how it exists in and of itself and so I find it interesting that that is a theme that connects with you here but not in other movies where in my opinion the same theme is communicated (laughs) just in a different way I guess yeah I mean I always say like I I will connect with a sports movie as long as it's not really about the game itself it's about the human being and what motivates them and what drives them and you know the way that they in a more philosophical universal way interact with having some sort of purpose in their life so this is you know <laughs> but chariots again, of fire in is my another- mind like that's true for every sports movie <laughs> well i mean we had this conversation about million dollar baby where it's like To me, that movie did not go to that level in kind of helping me understand what it is that that drives these characters to care about this thing so single-mindedly. And I I couldn't connect with it for that reason. Like, if you, as you clearly do, you you can understand that mindset more easily, and so you could connect with it. But for me, there was just a remove. But this movie, I mean, Chariots of Fire will do an episode on at some point. That's another one of my favorite movies. And as you pointed out, which I didn't even think about until you pointed it out, that is a sports movie. It's a movie about yes, people is. who do sports. But to me, it's like that is so far from the first thing that I think about when I think about that movie. What I think about is that is a movie about yeah, why like, people I don't, do it. I don't, I don't understand why certain movies, certain sports movies 
connect with you and others don't mm-hmm. because yeah. I, it's like I to me they're all explain like it. obviously like not all sports movies are the same but the fact that all sports movies have sports in them inherently means that they all have this same core thing of like we participate in this sport because we're passionate about it and that is part of being human like that that is like an underlying theme for every single sport like but for you it doesn't it's just so interesting and again like okay we should stop talking about this because we can yeah, go on forever yeah. and ever but like just hearing about you know we mentioned this on the million dollar baby episode but like you talking about how you can't connect with Moneyball because it's directly about the sport and I'm like yes but it's like it's explaining why it matters to him it's giving like it's explaining why baseball is important to him like there's literally a line in the movie where he says how can you not be romantic about baseball that movie is about communicating the romance of baseball in very like in my opinion specific ways but for you it's just like no it's about the sport I don't get it and that but I'm like but 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 it's about so much more <laughs> sport. <laughs> and then this movie is the same thing. Obviously, very different movie, very different tone. But it's like, how can you... I mean, I guess also in this movie, how can you not be romantic about baseball in a different way? But that same core message of like, this is a sport. That's amazing. And like, let's connect with it. Anyway, we don't need to go on and out about this. But I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I will never understand mm-hmm. the, the which like why you connect to specific movies that involve sports and why you don't connect to others. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a fascinating ongoing theme for us to continue tracking. I would love, I mean, you, you've mentioned that there are a lot of other sports movies that you want to do on the podcast. I really look forward to seeing more of them. Cause honestly, like, cause I don't care about sports. It's not a genre I tend to seek out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so like there, there are probably a lot out there that I'll watch it and be like, Oh, this is amazing. I, I can connect to this. I, I didn't think I could, but I, I can. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to be uh, very specific in when I choose sports movies because my gut tells me that you're probably not going to like any of the ones that I choose. <laughs> so. I sometimes wonder, I mean, it's it's probably, it, this is probably too simplistic, but I sometimes wonder if it's just a matter of like screen time ratio. The, mm. the proportion of time that they spend playing actual baseball in this movie is so small compared to what they do the amount of time they spend doing other things um and chariots of fire is similar so i i don't know i don't know yeah i i was actually thinking while watching this movie (laughs) during the scene where they're having their like scrimmage and their you know Mm -hmm. preseason practice or whatever i was watching this i was like this is one of my favorite scenes in this movie and i feel like geneva probably doesn't care about this (laughs) as much as the other ones like i just not not that you don't like that scene i i don't know necessarily your strict feelings about it but for me i was like i love seeing these guys come together and playing this sport and seeing their different skills and their abilities and how how like the dynamic of a sports team and this sport and I was like this is one of my favorite scenes because it's so sporty (laughs) and I was like I don't know if Geneva loves it as much as I do but yeah yeah I don't know I mean I I do love that scene but it's more because of like individual lines or exchanges between the characters like the whole um the whole Pete Ward thing is so funny the the helmets uh superstitions versus rituals um the whole jay jay niles versus mcreynolds uh showdown is great like there's just so many individual character moments in that whole scene that the whole movie has been building up to 
And it really is a culmination of all these things that have been happening throughout the film. Um, and so I love it for that. Um, the actual setting and what they're doing is, to me, not <laughs> not what stands out about that scene. It's the, the the journey that we've been on with these characters. Yeah, I I I watched that scene, and obviously I I appreciate it for all the things that that you said as well. But for me, on top of that, I'm I, I also love seeing these guys who talk about you know the whole movie. There's this common theme of we all were the best at this sport where we came from. And now mm-hmm. where we're at, we're all equals and we have to figure out a way to stand out. And for me, I loved how in that scene, we actually see how freaking good these guys are at baseball. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how much you understand like fastballs and curveballs and all those things, but like, <laughs> but watching them pitch and seeing how good they are at, at like pitching and what, how fast the fastballs are and how good the curveballs are and their different stances of how they pitch and all these. I was like, this is so cool to see them actually play this sport at such a high level and anticipate and, and like really understand why they're the best in the country or whatever it is that they say. And also connecting with, because again, like I played ice hockey through college. And so connecting with that experience of like, having a team captain and everyone kind of respecting them while they talk and let's have our group, our, our group stretch before we start the practice. And I, you know, and the coach is off to the side and, you know, and also just the dynamic of all of these little communications that you have while at practice, it's like, yeah, you're there to play the sport, but in between your, I guess in hockey, they're called drills. I don't know what they're called in baseball, but in between your drills and things like that, you have little side conversations with your teammates. And I, I just, Obviously, like I said, I appreciate it for all of the things that you said, but also I love the sports aspect of it too, of being like, dang, these guys are really fucking good at baseball. Like this is insane. I want to see, I want to see the sports movie of this that happens after like, I want to see the sequel where, you know, after all the fun and games are done pre season, now they're actually in the season and they're playing at the heights of their ability. I would love to see that that sequel to this movie. I love that. I love that. I love that we're having this conversation that I get to discuss this with you because that is totally not even a layer that I was thinking of when I was watching this movie. It's like, I know that McReynolds is really good because the movie really communicates like this guy is on another level, even from the other players. But yeah, that's probably a whole a whole sort of layer of those scenes that I'm missing out on because I don't really understand yeah. what it means to look like you really know how to play baseball. I mean, the wild thing is, Jay, the crazy guy, he's mm-hmm. actually a really good pitcher. That's the mm. thing. It's like he's pitching and every, like, it's like, dang, he's really good at pitching, which is why it even becomes a bigger deal that Rain- that Reynolds kind of like hits the ball out of the park and like hits a home run. You know, it's, there's so many dynamics here of just like, just yeah. Seeing how good they are and, and all that stuff. But yes, these guys are actually really good at baseball. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, I was wondering how to even break down and talk about this movie. I mean, we've already kind of started getting into it, which is great. Um, Cause there are just, you know, this movie is not, there's not a whole lot of plot. <laughs> it's mainly just people hanging it's out in one location. Dudes being dudes, you know? Dudes rock. 
Yeah. Um, it's people hanging out in one location and then they go to another location, they hang out and they go to another location and they hang out. They go to like um, four different types of parties in one yes. weekend. <laughs> Which I really want to make sure that we talk about all of them because can I just they're all say, amazing. Mm-hmm. Can I just say my favorite letterbox review that I saw for this was films that set that films that set unrealistic expectations of college. <laughs> like what college the first weekend that you go there before school even starts are there like five different massive parties that you can go to in one weekend and like get laid like five times <laughs> just like this is I, I don't know maybe it's just because my university only had 2,000 students and that's why but I'm just like I feel like this is a I mean I don't think he's being subtle about this but just realizing like this is i'm pretty sure this is an exaggeration of of actual college life yeah yeah it's probably there's a lot of nostalgia going in there i'm sure yeah but in my notes every single time they change locations to those parties i put in all caps i want to dance at a 70s disco yeah i want to go to country western bar i want to go see an 80s punk show yeah i want to go to a theater party yep (laughs) oh man it just looks like looks like so much fun yeah. Um, yeah the disco club in particular is like oh man I've never wanted to dance disco so much in my life they're just <laughs> you need to watch more disco movies <laughs> yeah clearly um never seen Saturday Night Fever I should I should get on that um but yeah it's just the the they all look so free and this is like one of the things I love about this movie is how much it leans into the um the fashion and the sort of cultural differences in the way that masculinity is represented and what makes someone masculine then versus now where they really they have this whole montage where it's like the guys all dressing up to go out and they care so much about their clothing and their hair and they're trimming their little mustaches and they're putting on their cologne and they just they really are peacocking you know they like they really want to look good and then when they get there they just look so free and uninhibited when they dance in a way that I don't know I I I just feel like men today like the the cultural expectations of what men can how men can dress and dance and be existing in the world are just very different um you know and that's one of the reasons I love gay clubs, not going to lie. <laughs> true. Yeah, true. It's great. It's a bunch of people being like, I don't care. I'm just going to be me. It's like, <laughs> I love that. Oh, man. Um, so I was thinking we could kind of go through and just talk about some of the major characters and the different plot lines that they intersect with, um, because a lot of this is really just about the way that the characters are interact interacting and they're... Um, the dynamics they have with each other and the way that they grow or change or don't grow and change. Um, do you want to start with Willoughby, actually? Um, sure. so he is He is a really interesting character. I feel like he has so many little nuggets of wisdom throughout the... Can, can I read my quote? Yeah, please do. Please do. Okay. So just for context for the listener, I so when I was watching this movie yesterday, I wrote down a timestamp of a specific quote because I was like, I want to make sure... I go back to this quote to comment on it when we're recording. So I just rewatched it before we started and I wrote it down. So it's, it's a quote that Willoughby says when they're at like a, like a billiards bar or some bar and they're playing billiards or whatever. And Willoughby, Willoughby is talking to Jake and he's, he's telling him, he goes, and he's talking, but when he says we, he's talking about them being pitchers. He goes, we're fucking weird, man. We're different. And the trick is, 
what's the trick? And Jake goes, I don't know. And then he goes, the trick is you can't fight it. You got to accept it. You got to fucking embrace your inner fucking strange, man. Just be fucking weird. And when you do that, you bring out who you are, not who they want. And that, my friend, is when it gets fun. And I actually wholeheartedly agree with that quote. I think it's great. And I think that's the best words of wisdom he gives in this whole movie. Uh, maybe that's because he's 30. So he has more years of wisdom. <laughs> he's he's got a lot of years of experience being the lone, you know, the lonely pitcher on the team. Right. Yeah. He's got like 12 years of, of life on this Jake kid. So, but I just thought that that, that quote was particularly like very, uh, just very, I don't know the word, like very relevant and very important of just like, be weird, be you and be who you are, not who they want you to be. And like, that's when life gets fun, you know? And I just thought that was great. Yeah. And it comes in the context of like, I mean, I think you kind of said that um, Jake and Willoughby are bonding over the fact that there are two pitchers on this team where Mick Reynolds and some of the others have really look down on pitchers there's this sort of jake calls it an anti-pitcher bias or something like that um but it's that idea that within this team that is very closely knit and everyone has their appointed roles there is this still this one role that is so extremely important and yet is so because of that is so isolated from everyone else like the pitchers literally all alone by themselves in the middle of everyone else on this mound um and they're not directly interacting with um anyone except the batter in this you know in this way that's very different from the rest of the game or the rest of the team and so this conversation between them is like yeah you are in this special position and instead of people are afraid of you or intimidated by you because of the um the fact that they don't understand what it is that you do and they don't understand what it takes to do well in that position. And so instead of being cowed by that, what you got to do is lean into it, which is, I think, just really good life advice in general for um, uh, for living in a world where you have a very specific niche or you're, you're you know, separate from, from the rest of people in, in some particular way. Yeah, I... Again, I find it very interesting that you... not 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 that you're wrong... But that mm-hmm. you see that takeaway so strongly from that. Because for me, it's like, yeah, the pitcher is like, that's one of the most. Which I think that a lot of people do say that actually first base is the most important, arguably the most important position on a baseball team. But I think you could just as easily argue that like being a pitcher is the hardest position. And so just kind of that competitive nature of like, you know, this person has the most important job on this team and that's kind of intimidating to me because I want to be the best and da da da. So just, I, I feel like I interpreted it more through again, like a sports lens of, of seeing like, yeah, being a pitcher is the most important and like what, what type of dynamic and relationships does that make with your teammates? And it made me think of, um, of like in hockey, the goalie, not, not that like, I was never competitive with the goalie, nor were any of my teammates, but there is this recognition that being the goalie is arguably, in my opinion, not arguably, the most important role that someone can have on a team. And so there's this kind of respect and reverence for that sort of position. 
Um, and so I found it interesting that in this scenario, it, it was kind of equally competitive and reverent of that sort of, uh, of being a pitcher. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just, I, yeah, I liked that, that conversation and that distinction between being a pitcher and being like an outfielder or an infielder or an umpire or whatever, uh, not an umpire, a catcher, not an umpire. Sorry. But yeah. <laughs> I would not have known enough to correct you. Like, I know that there's a difference, <laughs> but I would not have corrected you if you had not corrected yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. The the character of Willoughby. I love the fact that he has his own little van that he lives in. And you really do get the sense of like, he's just this kind of gentle stoner, stoner hippie who just flies around to different campuses, see who will let him in. For a bit, just kind of hangs out. I love the fact that um, when I think they're at, I could tell that he that he knew it wasn't going to last long because mm-hmm. when the when the coach showed up at the field and he, he you could tell that he was like, well, it's that yep. time again. It's up. Like yeah, so- <laughs> like he's clearly gone through this many yeah. times. Like before. he never intended to actually start the school year and take any classes. Like he knew. <laughs> Yeah, actually, now I'm wondering what what was he even going to pretend to register for? I know he he was just here for the vibes, and he knew it wasn't going to last long. I love the fact that when they're in the sound machine, um, the the second time, and Jane Isle starts the fight, and they're all like, "We got to jump and like help out my baseball buddies," and they all get thrown out. He's just like in the background, like just casually putting out a cigarette and then just kind of follows them out like he does not get involved in that fight at all (laughs) he's just like oh you know I'm letting these children do their thing and I'm just gonna kind of follow them or even when they have the the party at the house and he's just upstairs in his room (laughs) doing some sort of weird like naked tai chi yeah I don't know what it is (laughs) practicing his throwing stances I'm not quite sure so great yeah you know he's he's just living his life have Um, you seen him in his black mirror episode uh, remind me which episode that is. It's, I haven't Is seen that it. from the most recent season? No, no, no. It's, okay. I, it's from years ago. It, uh, I, again, I, I have not seen it in years, but it's kind of an episode where, uh, it's, it's like a virtual reality video game type thing and it transports you to these other worlds and then you basically get like terrified in those worlds and a bunch of scary shit happens. Um, oh, interesting. No, I don't yeah. think I've seen that one. Yeah, that's that's where I knew him from. And then I watched this movie and I was like, oh, that's a very different role for for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a really he's a really talented actor. Um, he's in I mean, you're you're obviously not into Marvel, so you wouldn't know this. But the Falcon and the Winter Soldier miniseries, he has a really good role as this like dark inversion of Captain America. And he's kind of genuinely really twisted and terrifying in it. Um but anyway, I love the fact, too, that um, the other teammates, you know, they find it hilarious when they find out what happened. But they're also very sympathetic to him. Like, they all kind of – that question of who among them is going to go on to become a pro player versus who is not is kind of this interesting little um, occasional thread. Because um, it's all kind of understood. Like, there are a couple people on this team who are actually probably going to go on to do this professionally for the rest of their, mm-hmm. you know – career um mick reynolds being the big one jay niles proclaims he's one although everyone is very skeptical um but among a lot of the others there is a kind of understanding of i'm doing this for now it's helping me get through college it's giving me this chance to have these experiences but 
this is not going to be my life forever. Like, I think Finn is the one who voices that. He's like, I like being a baseball player, but like, I'm not delusional. I know I'm not, I don't have what it takes to to make it in the big leaves. But he is also so sympathetic to Willoughby when it's revealed where he's, they're just like, you know, he... He's not a bad guy. He just wanted to keep living that life. He just wanted to keep chasing that high. Um, And there is something to that, you know, idea of nostalgia. You know, this, as I said, this movie, this is a very much a movie that is about nostalgia, but it also has this kind of thoughts about what does it mean to live forever in a kind of nostalgia? It's really not sustainable. Um, The movie is not you know, the movie is very sympathetic to Willoughby and that desire to keep living out your, your college days. But I think it it is also understanding of the fact that it's not ultimately a sustainable or healthy way to live in the long term. Yeah, I, I would say that that's a very, um, I don't know if you can use mutual understanding if it's multiple people and not just two. I think you can. Um but I think that's very much so a mutual understanding between all competitive athletes that, that make it to a high level or that have been playing a sport for a really long time, because it is, it becomes a huge part of your identity. And, but at the same time, you know, that it's going to end at some point. And so whenever it does end, we all know what that pain is of having this thing that you love taken away from you because your body can't do it anymore, or there's other people that are better than you or whatever. And it's a very common experience for, for all athletes. Like it, it, I was going to say it took me years to get over no longer being a hockey player and I'm not even over it yet. Like I still struggle with not being a hockey player. And I think, um, I think it's a very, it's a very common, uh, experience that many, if not all athletes have. And so I think when we see other people going through that, it is a sense of like, we get it, man or woman, whoever you are, like we get it. It's hard. And we see that you love this sport. So like, hang on to it in the way that you can. Like, that's why it's so fantastic when, when I get to go play hockey with 65 year olds and none of us are good anymore, but it's like, but we know that this is something that we love and we want to support each other as we continue to play in whatever capacities that we can. And, um, I don't think that that's maybe necessarily what the movie is entirely going for, because I think that's maybe a little bit too deep of an interpretation with what's going on here. Um, But I do like, I do think that the way that they respond is not necessarily, I think that that would not be an unlikely response. I think that that would be, you know, I think other athletes would understand if someone else did that. And I also love that they think it's super funny. because it is funny it is yeah like can you imagine that someone you thought was just like a senior is actually actually 30 30. years old and like that's (laughs) it would blow your mind you know oh man I I love that we're having these conversations because it really is opening my eyes to like things that were never part of my upbringing (laughs) never part of my cultural experience (laughs) yeah 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 I mean even just this movie like Obviously, I knew this movie is about baseball players, but I'm just like, yeah, it's about baseball players, but it's not really. But like hearing from someone who's like, no, it's about it's important that this movie is about baseball players. It's like, yeah, shedding new light. Yeah. I did want to touch on, too, I feel like because I feel like this is kind of in a similar vein, um, just the character of Mick Reynolds, um, who is the team captain, as we mentioned, he is this actual like the one actual pro prospect on the team. And I... 
I just really love the way that he's portrayed throughout this movie. One thing that I, I think is so distinct in this movie that I think really um, is just like one little aspect that really connected with my own experience of the the college life is how the distinctions between different class years work in the sense of like, you know, we're coming in as a freshman and there's this very clear divide between the sophomores and the juniors who are, they have their own established culture and relationships with each other, but they're very welcoming of the freshmen and they're very excited to take on that sort of role as a mentor to this new crop versus then the seniors who are kind of all existing in their own little world and they're all worried about the future and they're all stressed out. And every now and then they'll descend to like maybe dispense a word of wisdom to the freshmen, but for the most part, they're kind of a world apart from the freshmen. And so Mick Reynolds as this figure who's kind of, elusive in a way throughout this movie not that he's like not on screen a whole lot but he mainly his main interactions with jake are just really hostile he's like i don't like pictures get away from me you like um you dumb freshman um he gets really he's really competitive he gets really mad when jake beats him at ping pong which is hilarious but then at the the baseball practice scene is when we all of a sudden see this kind of not different side of him, but you see why he's the team captain, right? You know? Yeah, you see his the way that he just takes down Jay Niles. He knows exactly what to do. He just shows him up. He shows him, "I'm the best on this team. You need to earn your teammate status. We're not here to celebrate you. We are here to become a team." And he just does it so well and so succinctly. And it's just this great little turn for this character who's kind of been antagonistic before and now all of a sudden you're seeing the value of this person as the kind of steady rock at the center of this team and the thing that is pushing them all forward yeah i don't know do you have any any thoughts on McReynolds and and his role in this this movie not to keep saying this but how can you not be romantic about baseball like, <laughs> like seriously it's it's sports bring out a different side of people it, it it brings you to this place where it's like nothing else matters aside from us being a team with this common goal and I love seeing that that depth to to McReynolds I don't think he's necessarily as hostile as you seem to think he comes across as when he's not on the field um, I think he's more so just like this guy that has an ego and it's kind of like oh how dare you be but like I don't think it's something where he's legitimately thinking Jake you suck I don't like you I can't believe you did this to me I think it's more so him just kind of being this like 11 year old kid is like but I'm better and you just beat me and rah! you know he just doesn't know how to express it so he just throw is a ping pong battle um i can we appreciate the fact that um because uh, mick reynolds and roper are sort of like captain and lieutenant roper's the other senior um like clearly like best friend kind of thing after he throws the ping pong paddle and storms out roper's like well i guess i gotta go put out that fire <laughs> <It goes laughs> off, and it's very like the the girlfriend going to calm down her boyfriend or something it's just it's very cute yeah it's it's great I I don't know I I really like his character because I feel like you know I'm trying to think oh no he's not in that scene yeah I don't know I I really I really like him I think uh his I, I just I love how good he is at baseball like that scene with the axe when he's splitting oh, the baseball and he gosh. does it twice. such a good scene like I just think it's so it's so great. I just love seeing this guy who, in my opinion, has every single right to be a complete asshole because he obviously is the best at baseball. 
but he's not. He's kind of this, I mean, I do think he, he has, you know, his own pride that he's trying to protect, but at the same time, he just seems like this, you know, he just seems like this college guy who's just trying to live his life and do his thing. And I don't know. I, I think he's great. I don't have anything super intense to say about him, but I, I don't know. He seems just like a, like a team player. And I do like, I really appreciate seeing him step into that role as the team captain. I, I like what you said, where in that scene, we really see why he has this, you know, role that he does overall. I just think he's, I think he's, I think he's great. And I think he's really good at baseball. <laughs> he is. I mean, um, you probably know this because I know you've seen at least some of the the behind the scenes um, footage, but Taylor Hawklin, I think is how you pronounce his name, um, who, who plays Mick Reynolds. I believe he was like a genuinely almost a pro baseball player. Like he played competitive high oh, actually didn't college baseball. Yeah. Apparently when, because um, everyone had to submit like a self tape as part of their audit. Uh, audition of them playing baseball and most of them went out and you know were like got their their friend to record them hitting a baseball or whatever and Taylor Hawkins was just like here let me show you some footage from like news um casts of Dang. me playing college baseball well there <laughs> so, you go either yeah. he already had the skills but yeah I agree um I <laughs> would love to take a minute just to talk about as we kind of transition into like to to the team more generally and like the the friendships between them I really love the arc of I I keep calling him Buter in my notes I refuse to call him Billy um how he at the for most of the movie is so separate from everyone else he has this mindset he comes in and he's like yeah I'm on the team but like the team for me only exists in practice and I am not going to be socializing with these guys outside of that I have my own girlfriend I've got my life back home I've got my beliefs I've got you know college is this kind of scary corrupting place and I'm just not I'm gonna choose to participate as much as I want to and I'm not gonna participate elsewhere I'm just gonna hang out with people who are just like me I'm not gonna hang out with my teammates and it creates this real rift between him and the team for much of the movie where the rest of the team they're all you know they're making fun of him they're they're giving him nicknames understandably so because he's he's a jerk (laughs) to them but I love 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 the fact that after all of that has happened after their practice he comes into the practice and he's like, all right, I'm going to take off. And then they say, no, one more thing. And they have the freshman batting practice, which honestly seems very unsafe. But yeah, um, that, that definitely is uh, extremely unsafe. Probably does not exist anymore because there are probably many lawsuits. It, they should at least have helmets on. If they had helmets on, I would feel a little bit better about it. But they have n- like no protection. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, after that, after all of that happens, it's like none of the rest of the movie happened. He's just one of the team. And he is, you know, he's still him. He's still a little bit, you know, he's this sort of wide-eyed kid from the country. But all of a sudden, everyone else has accepted him and he's willing to kind of sit down with them, eat with them and and get their wisdom from them and ask them questions. And it's just such a nice little moment that, again, I think really resonates from my experience of what college is like, where the the idea of um, you, you are outside of the experience of other people for a time and that causes 
issues, but then there can be this bonding experience and then you come together and I don't know, I'm not phrasing this very well, just I feel like it's so well observed in the ways that human beings interact, where someone you think is so different from you, you go through this thing and then all of a sudden you're together. And this idea that it, it's not too late, I mean, it's it's only been a few days, <laughs> but um he comes in with this very clear idea of what his college baseball experience is going to be. And by the end of this weekend, it is something completely different. And it's something that is hopefully so much better than what he envisioned. That's the beauty of sports. I'm going to, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep hammering it in there. Like that is sports create a camaraderie, a bunch of people that normally would not get along or normally wouldn't associate with each other because they have this common shared experience where they get together to do this same thing every week or multiple times a week or whatever, it creates this bond that breaks barriers. It really does. And I think we see that happen with him. And isn't there also, I I could be misremembering this, but isn't there also a moment towards the end where he says something or something along the lines of he, he communicates that he has some sort of awakening in terms of, oh, the I thought the world was just my my town, my girlfriend, my whatever. And now I'm realizing that there's so many other things that I could do. There's something like that that he says. And I remember when that moment happened, I was like, good for you, man. Like, don't don't stay tied down to this small place that you've come from. I mean, if you want to go back to that place, that's totally fine. But let yourself experience what else is out there before you decide to go back to that place. And I and I really liked that realization that he that he seemed to have and and how the team was like, yeah, <laughs> yes, like we you know join we, us. We've we've been here know? the whole time. We've like, been we're, waiting. We're for ready. You. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I I also love the joking kind of way that. Um, that Finn responds to him when he talks about how, like, I don't know, guys, like this place is so big and full of temptations and things are challenging the way that I thought. I, I don't know about all this. And yeah. Finn's just like, private theater, are you going to fold like a lawn chair? Yep, yep, <laughs> like yep, just yep. sort of like he's just joking with him, but uh-huh. also bringing him in, but also sort of affirming him, but also like allowing him to become part of the group. It's like it's a really nice nice moment where he's like laughing with them and sort of feeling like he can be himself but also feel like he's can be part of the group it's a really nice moment Finn is someone that I would legitimately love to be friends with because I can tell I I mean this in the least creepy way possible like he is a he is a lover like he loves people very deeply and he seems so incredibly loyal and just so like well he is a Leo (laughs) sorry oh my gosh yes but he he doesn't he he strikes me as someone who genuinely really cares about people and at this phase in his life he kind of feels like oh I can't fully show it because I'm this jock guy but I can tell that as he grows up and becomes more secure in himself he's just gonna really be someone you want in your corner you know and he just seems like such a good friend I I you know obviously Finn is I feel like the main well I was gonna say the main comedic aspect of this film maybe not though because we also have Plummer and Willoughby they're all funny in their own ways but I just feel like not only is he this funny witty guy who's ridiculous (laughs) and so weirdly out there in terms of how he communicates with women and with the world and like all of these things But he also seems like a genuinely kind person, which I think kind of getting back to the overall just like ensemble of the film, 
you know, I, I think one of the reasons why, and maybe this is the same for you, but I feel like one of the reasons why I connect with this movie so much is because I connect with the character so much because yes, you kind of have your different, you know, like roles of, Oh, I'm the jock and I'm the funny guy and I'm the stoner and I'm the the guy with the girlfriend back home. You have all of these, you know, stereotypes of people or caricatures of people, but also within each of them, for me, at least I see them as real people and I see them as people that have feelings and experiences and goals and actual personalities that have made them who they are and how they communicate with the world. Like, they seem like fully realized people. They don't just exist within this hour and 45 minutes of a movie. They exist within this whole actual world that feels real to me. And um, I feel like I feel like Finn is one of the, the main examples of that for me in this movie. He feels like a real person, and I love that. Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. Um, and I... We need to move on to talk about Finn next, and I'm very excited about it because he's my favorite character, as I'm sure you could guess. Is he um, your favorite character because he's Finn or because he's played by Glenn Powell? That's my well, question. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have one without the other. Um, but actually, just to just to kind of like reinforce what you said there, you know, like I, I mentioned before, one of the the one of the things that's so great about this movie is the way it sort of takes that jock stereotype and actually breaks it down and shows the different variety within this. Um, team and you know the this sort of bro stereotype how how many different personalities like levels of curiosity and interest and and desires and passions and things like that one of the things i love so much about this movie is the way where richard linklater chooses to end it because Mm -hmm. it ends when (laughs) jake and Plummer get to their first class of the the year you know two freshmen in their very first class and they've both been out all night having sex, partying. They're both three so tired. Straight. For like For three, three days, days straight. straight. <laughs> and so they get into class and I love Plummer's like, who's this fuck? And then Jake is like, I think that's our professor. And he's like, oh. He's like, oh. <laughs> it's so funny. Who else would it be? <laughs> Where do you think you are? Um, but the professor starts writing something on the board. He writes, uh, frontiers are where you find them. You know, this sort of like kind of inspiring statement. And both of them just like, they're like, this is going to be a good year. And then they go to sleep. And I just, I feel like this movie is me sitting in a college class with like athletes, bro athletes sleeping next, you know, in the chair <laughs> next to me and me uh-huh. being like, oh my gosh, like these guys, why are they here? This is so ridiculous. And now this entire movie exists to challenge my preconceptions <laughs> of like who they are and what their experiences were and their, you know experience of the world and their their the fact that they are you know <laughs> curious intelligent like well-rounded people like this whole movie exists to be like geneva stopping so stereo stereotyping of yeah. uh the college bros who slept through class yeah i you you saying uh that line of this year's gonna be you know a good year or whatever made me think of that moment when <laughs> mick reynolds is like this is gonna be the best day of my life until tomorrow <laughs> It's such a good line. It's it so perfectly captures the mindset of him and yes. uh, so many of these characters. Is like yep. this is my the prime of my life. This is my time to explore, to discover. I have no. I mean, literally, classes have not started yet. There is nothing I need to do. There is no one telling me what to do. There's no one telling me no. And I don't mean that in a creepy way. Just in a way of like <laughs> <laughs> could go in a creepy way, but in this movie, no. Um, in the sense of like this is completely unfettered 
possibility and exploration and discovery and um, enjoyment of life. And that's beautiful in a, in a way. I don't know about you, but I, I, I try to go through my life and live my life in such a way that I don't have regrets. And I think for the most part, I've done a pretty good job of that. And I'm not saying that I have any regrets about this, but I watch movies like this, and which obviously this is not a fully realistic uh, representation of what college is like. But I will say that I do look back on my college years and I'm like, I wish I would have been more carefree and just chilled mm-hmm. out because everything that you just said about You know, you have these moments when you're in college when it's like no one is expecting anything from you. You can do whatever you want. You don't have to pay bills. You don't have to go to work like da 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 da. And especially before the school year starts, like when you get to campus early and classes haven't started yet and all these things, it's like I, I really admire people that were able to really enter into that because where I went to school, there were a lot of people, I mean, Granted, it was an academically rigorous school, so people were, for the most part, like engaged in their studies. But there also were a lot of people that genuinely let loose and had a good time. And I did that to a certain extent. And I watch movies like this, and I'm just like, I wish I would have let go more. Because I think it's such a unique time to just self-discover with very minimal consequences and just have fun and I took it too seriously you know and again like I'm not speaking in terms of regrets I don't regret my college years I learned a lot they were great but I watch movies like this and it inspires me and I'm like if I wish someone had shown this movie to me when I was like 16 years old and I would have just been like oh wow look at who knows? Maybe 16-year-old me would have thought like, oh, those heathens, how dare they? You know, because I was younger and had a different perspective on life. But I would like to think that if I'd watched this movie at that age, I would have seen the value in enjoying that time, you know? And I, I love this movie in that sense as well. Like, it inspires me. And it's like, okay, my college years might be over, but my life isn't over. And I could be, I could be Willoughby, you know, I, <laughs> I could be <laughs> Well, 30. please don't be Willoughby, to be clear. That's not the takeaway of this movie. Don't pretend to be a college-age athlete. Yeah. But I mean, like, I, I could be, I could be 30 years old and just be like, you know what? I'm going to do what makes me happy with reckless abandon and be like, hey, this might end in three days, but it, it brings me joy for these few days. So like, let's, let's do it, man. Like embrace your fucking like your fucking you're weirdness, strange man, man. Like, but I don't know this movie is just very inspiring to me as someone who historically has taken my life way too seriously and I've been actively trying to chill out more this movie pushes me to really really take that to heart absolutely let's um well let, let's get a little bit more in, into Finn because I um he is my favorite character in the movie I mean he's he really is the breakout character of this movie like every review that you read they're like this is the best character this is the best performance I think it should have been nominated for a best supporting actor nom if I'm being honest but um might be slightly biased because I'm a big Glenn Powell fan and have been for uh quite a while um since watching this movie actually did you see this movie before set it up Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. The reason I was so excited about Set It Up was because I was like, Zoe Deutsch, who I have been following her career for, I mean, way longer than I've been following Glenn Powell's career for like years. And then Glenn Powell, who I'd recently become really enamored with. I'm like, they're going to meet a rom-com together. This is like the greatest (laughs) thing ever. 
Uh, and it was a great movie. Um, anyway, so I completely agree with everything that you said. Finn is such a fascinating character. I I was reading some um, some like interviews with the the cast as they were describing the philosophies behind their characters, and the philosophy behind Finn is basically he is who you say you were in college, but you actually weren't. <laughs> ah, yeah. He is basically like the coolest guy on campus like he has all the best lines he's um so well read he's really witty he's really funny he you know he he charms the ladies um he's and i think that's an oversimplification <laughs> he's a leo <laughs> and that's definitely an oversimplification because finn is not like perfect 100 percent of the time um he has an average cock you know he has yeah <laughs> but he uses you know he's a grower not a shower <laughs> <laughs> this movie oh is so gosh. ridiculous i love it so much oh my gosh um where was i going with this i don't know <laughs> sorry <laughs> it's okay but yeah like i i feel like it's such a great portrayal especially like if we're considering this movie as being from jake's point of view and the sort of nostalgic view of what your your um your freshman year is like it's this great portrayal of like this is the coolest junior who was nice enough to be around you and to be giving you advice and to be supporting you in my college experience i had a finn he he was he was three so I I mean I only knew him one year but he was three years older than me and he very clearly was like the funny guy the cool guy you know at least in the circles that I ran in and he had the audacity to be friends with me and I was like what this is like whoa whoa." (laughs) you know (laughs) I feel like all of us maybe had that version of of a Finn in college yeah, yeah, I definitely did. Like, I I had a couple of those upperclassmen who just, like, they are the coolest person in Let's existence. Say all of their names right now. <laughs> Last <laughs> names included. <laughs> yes. And where their current location. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, the, the coolest person that this is the person that you want to grow into being. And somehow they are nice to you and actually hang out with you and give you advice and mentor you and, and bring you into this, this new environment. I love all of the little details with his character, with, you know, costuming change, uh, decisions where, you know, he's kind of a little bit more, I don't know, hippie-ish or bohemian in some of his costuming choices. He's very pretentious, which is great. Like he's reading, he's the one who's smoking a pipe and reading Jack Kerouac. I love the fact that when they have the, um, when the coach comes over to give the house rules, he's like nursing this little cup of tea. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows if it's actually tea in there, but um, that's what he's drinking. Um, It's just all these little textures that that create this, this person who feels so real and yet is just so unbelievably charming and funny. The, um... The whole scene at the end, the the theater party, where the one time you see Finn really like, so oh, sorry, I should I should move back. Finn has this great line um, in this movie, which I think is very core to a lot of the way the dynamics work in this movie. Is um, at the beginning before practice when they're all getting ready, they play this prank on Jake, and Jake is criticizing Brumley oh, for yeah. participating mm-hmm. in the in the prank. And Finn has this line, let me find it, because it's a really great line, um, where he says, okay, you know, we all take terms being chumps around here. Now, you accept your chumpification, you'll wear it well, and you pass it on. It's all you can do. 
And that's just such a great philosophy and great summation of how the dynamics work in this group and I think in a lot of communities in general. It's like we all, a part of our bonding is at at some point, every one of us takes turns being the loser, being the person that we're all laughing at, being the person that's kind of in the wrong but you know what? It's just a phase. We're all here for each other. <laughs> you, you know, accept I'm like it? Analyzing that of like what has what has that looked like for you and me? I'm like, what's been the moment? <laughs> like, I don't know. I know. I don't want to think about it too much. Um, but I think it's probably part of a healthy mindset of being like, podcast. I can accept. <laughs> yeah. All our friends are all looking at us like, wow, wow. Look, look at how far they fall. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. It's just a phase. Tatum and Geneva will get over it. Yeah. Yeah. But and then at the end, Finn has kind of his own chumpification moment where he's trying to hit on this girl and he's like talking about astrology and all the others start making fun of him. And he has this great like freak out on them, which is so funny. So well delivered. By- what, what's his line that where Plummer goes, I would rather die than say I would di- I'd rather die a virgin than say I was my chart said I would make a good father sometimes. Yes, 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 yes. Oh my gosh. That is such a good dig. That is it's such, such a, good dig. a good dig. So good. Um Finn has this great uh line in his monologue where he's like, you just you jealous little asshole crabs just pulling me back in the boiling pot. <laughs> <laughs> Which is such an incredibly specific um thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's so good. Um just the way he talks throughout this movie, like you know, he's constantly pulling out this ridiculous philosophizing sort of psychobabble, which it does make sense if you really think about it. But it's also just like, why are you doing this? There's this great moment during the practice when um, uh, Koma like can't find his helmet. And he's like, where's my helmet? I need my lucky helmet. And Finn just starts going off about like the difference between rituals and routines and, and rituals are things that we use to create meaning in the psychodeterministic uh, universe. And Roper, who's, you know, has been playing with on this team with Finn for like three years three plus years now just looks at him for a minute and then just like stands up and walks away and he's like he's so done with Finn but Jake and the other freshmen are like yeah yeah what else I feel like I feel like Finn is somebody who's going to go on to be very successful because he's such Mm -hmm. a chameleon he's so charming he's very good at like catering to the different vibes of the space and recognizing like, oh, this is how I should behave here. And this is how I should behave here. And granted, he's very uh, young at this point in his life. But I feel like as time goes on, he's going to do pretty well for himself. He seems like a very adaptive uh, person. (laughs) Yeah. And he's very good at selling like things Mm -hmm. and ideas and himself and all, you know. Yeah. He's a very well-adjusted person. I mean, like I mentioned before, he's... They're, when they're talking about this idea of what you're going to do beyond college, he's the one who's like, yeah, I know that I'm not a pro prospect baseball player. I have accepted that. This is not going to be my life forever, but I'm going to enjoy it for as long as it is my life. I love the whole sequence where they go and Jake meets up with his old baseball friend who's now a punk and um finn is just so open to the whole experience he's like do you want guys want to go in the punk house and he's like yeah of course course. and they're like do you want to go to punk show and he's like yeah i'm there and then um they he has that great exchange with jake at the punk show where jake is like i feel like i'm in a little bit of an identity crisis because we keep changing our clothes and going checking out different vibes and finn is just like you know we're we're trying to get girls just think of it as like the way animals shed their skin in order to mate like 
It's not phony. It's adaptive. Doesn't he talk about like salmon and someone else? He's like, other creatures kill themselves to find a mate. At least we have it better than that. Like we're not killing ourselves for it. Like sure. The ridiculous like, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, the ridiculous um, philosophical like um, babble that he breaks out. It's just, it's all, it's all so great. But it is, you know, again, like that's, that is a huge theme in this movie is like this idea of trying different groups, different vibes, different um, ways of living in this effort to discover who you are and what makes you happy and what makes you unique. Um, Like that's, that's what college is so great about. And that's something that you know, Finn clearly understands. And so he's kind of helping the the freshmen as they try to discover this too. I would be curious to talk to other people who went to college that are just like very different from what my college experience was and just ask them like, how does this movie resonate with them and how does it work for them? Because I feel like even though the men in this movie and like Beverly as well, even though they're people who are clearly college students and are kind of figuring out who they are or whatever, they still seem way more confident and like, I don't know, than I feel like I was in terms of like, yeah, let's let's go and do this thing and go to this different place and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, it took me till my mid-20s to kind, to kind of be, or maybe not mid-20s, but post-college to really be confident enough in myself and like to be willing to try new things that I wasn't comfortable with I think I was just more fearful in college and I feel like these guys are so carefree to an extent that I'm like is this just completely unrealistic but I also think that that just says a lot about me I'm like maybe there are actual college students out there that are so open like this and I'm like man I wish I could have been like that yeah well I feel like um I mean to to get slightly personal for a minute um you know I as I said, my college experience was very, very different from theirs, but there's so much, so many things that resonate. And one thing is that I did a lot of study abroad in my college, and that was a huge kind of turning point for me in helping me realize what I, things that I really love to do and helping me see more of the world and realize that I wanted to be a part of it in a way that I had not previously thought possible or or thought that I would even be interested in. That's one of the the great things about college. And obviously not everyone is, college is very much a privilege and college experiences are very different. But um, for a lot of people, it is this opportunity to be bumping up against um, people and experiences and cultures and lives, um, possibilities that you would never have encountered in any other way. And to get this new sort of vision of your life that you would not get in any other way. Yeah. So just to kind of, I guess, pivot a little bit, because at the rate we're going, we're going to be talking for three hours. And I think we need to start like, yeah. <laughs> either getting more specific in how we're talking about this or just talk faster. Yeah, I definitely want to talk a little bit about Dale, because I really love the character of Dale. Um he he fills a similar ish role to Finn, but in um in a different way because he has such a different personality to Finn, um, where he's kind of the the upperclassman who's welcoming um welcoming uh, Jake in, but he is more kind of um he's less kind of showy than Finn, but I really love his sort of I love his whole vibe <laughs> so much, and I really. 
the way that he and Finn just, or sorry, he and Jake just kind of instantly bond with each other, I think is really nice. Like they, they sort of instantly pair off with each other in a way where you can see them really being close friends um, apart from the rest of the team throughout the rest of their, their college experience. Um, and then he has that amazing monologue toward the end where he just talks about like, I'm going to give you freshmen a little bit of, a little bit of advice and, um, what is it that he says? Like, you have to understand that like the seniors are, um, looking at you as these little like invader upstarts. You've not earned your teammate status. You need to earn it in order for, um, to really become a part of this group. And, um, there is your, you know, you were sort of big fish in a small pond and now you're the small fish in the big pond. You need to toughen up. You need to um, understand that there is no one who's going to be helping you. You know, there are going to be people who are just fine with watching you fail. And so you need to toughen up and like figure out a way to succeed. You have to do that on your own. Um, I don't know. It's just this very like wise sort of adult speech to the freshman that um is a little bit unexpected but is is just so great coming from his character yeah I definitely kind of had the same sentiments as you did regarding he does feel a little bit like Finn's counterpart to me um just a little bit more of a of a toned down I, I feel like he has a lot of the same um goals and ways in how he like what he hopes to get out of his relationships and perhaps even his view on the world. But the way that he communicates that is in way more of a relatable, palatable sort of um, way. And so, yeah, I mean, I really like Dale. I like that he's the one that, that convinces Jake to go get in the car, which leads to the epic, you know, opening very long scene where they're all singing that. Oh my gosh. I can't believe we even yeah, brought that where up. Where they're all yet. singing rapper's delight in the front of the car and, it's just if you are not sure whether or not you want to watch this movie, just watch that one scene. So it good. is just just three minutes of just pure joy. You know, it's just yeah, the best. It's great. So yeah, I mean, I I like I like him in this movie. I also like that it brings in a person of color because Richard Linklater's movies are very white. Uh, like ninety nine percent of the time, they are all white people. Um, and so I liked that he was in here for that reason, but yeah, I think he's just a great, a great character. He seems like similar to Finn also. Dale seems like someone I would want to have around in my life. You know, he feels like someone where if I was going through like a very deeply emotional time in my life, I could go talk to Dale about it and he'd be like, yes, tell me everything. Like I'll sit here and I'll listen and then I'll offer you some wise words. And, you know, I don't know. He just seems like a very wise and uh, just like willing to take people under his wing type of person, but Mm -hmm. also willing to speak truth into you when, when, when you need it, you know? Um, So yeah, I, I like his character for sure. Yeah. I feel like, you know, I could never aspire to be a Finn. I just don't have that in me, but I feel like I could be a Dale and that's something I could really, I should really aspire to, yeah. you know, that would be a great thing. To, I feel like if be. I tried really hard, I could be a Finn and I'm like, is it, is it worth trying? <laughs> I would love like, you. Tried. I feel like it, in certain scenarios it would be worth trying. I feel like I could pull off certain aspects of it. It's just like the random ass facts that he pulls out of nowhere. I don't think that, I don't think I could do that. But um, I just can't talk as fast as he can. You I know, can't my, think my as brain fast is, as, he as can. we know, he comes up with these ideas. Yeah. So I'm like, where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, 
my brain just does not work at that yeah. speed. Like, God bless you, man. Yeah. Um, Can we take a moment to appreciate the other two freshmen? So Plummer, who's like basically sounds drunk and or stoned the entire time and probably is. All the time. <laughs> he has some of the most just random hilarious lines. I love when they're doing the um, the telepathic oh thing gosh. with uh, Willoughby. And he's like, I was thinking about sharks. And then Plummer's like, well, sharks have tails. <laughs> and, and then, Fuck, and I wish then I had a tail. That'd be like, awesome. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, yeah, maybe point. that is. What, what, are their, what are their different responses? It's cereal, sharks, and what's the other one? What does Dale say? Um, um, well, no, cereal is what Willoughby was thinking about. I think it's having a tail. Um, no, Jake, Jake oh, was man, cereal. Jake now? had cereal. Plumber Jake is Dale. definitely cereal. What was, what was Dale's? Oh man, I feel like I've seen this scene so many times. Oh, um, baseball. Oh, isn't baseball. It? Yeah, yeah, baseball. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is a good one. It should have been baseball. Yeah. Can we take a moment just to appreciate? I love the character Brumley so much because again, this is just this really relatable thing. Where's that? There's that one guy in your friend group who's just he's a little bit awkward and a little tries a little bit too hard and you know he just he doesn't quite get the vibe of everyone else but he's not malicious and you know everyone kind of likes him but they also kind of make fun of him a little bit like I just I don't know I feel like that's such a relatable I love how he gets his moment in the sun though because because we do we do Mm. see in my opinion that he that he has kind of formed his way to be a part of this team and not just the odd man out because the fact that they brought him in to perform the 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 prank on Jake when he gets to the locker room I'm like the fact that they invited him into that joke shows that like okay he does have a future he does have a place he does have like a spot to fill on this team and I really love that for him I was like good for you you find your place you be your person that's awesome yeah like he's you know he is a part of the group like they you know he he gets the chumpification status a little more often than the others but he is he's a part of the group in the way that Jay Niles is not at least not until the very end like you know he's a little bit weird but like so many of them are and so they kind of when he beats Nesbitt at the knuckle thing which is so weird yeah it's It's true that's the stupidest thing ever it's the stupidest game um Um, but now that I think about it I played a game like that when I was in high school it wasn't exactly (laughs) like that I forget what it was called but anyway (laughs) the part when um they're playing (laughs) card game oh Canada where they're all just making up the rules and Finn is telling him what he needs to do if he loses and Rumley's like half he's, believes it well, he's clearly so like funny. wait wh- what <laughs> wait what <laughs> like I, I i like i i don't think this can be true but you're telling me so seriously so i feel like i need to believe it so just to kind of move forward a little bit what, do you have any thoughts on um beverly and and jake yeah we need we I, definitely need to talk about beverly and jake i have thoughts about jake i don't have as many thoughts about beverly uh but yeah, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are on Jake. To me, Jake is very much um, not that he's boring, but it's very much a sort of he has to be a bit more blank in order for more of a blank slate in order for the rest of the characters and the world that he's entering into to really shine. Um, so he is you do see like, you know, he he is a little bit not insecure, but, you know, he's clearly a little bit hurt by 
the the McReynolds is anti-pitcher bias, you know, as shown by the fact that he then kind of talks about it with Willoughby and Willoughby gives him that advice about embracing your inner strange. Um, he's kind of stands out from the other freshmen in the the sense that he is more immediate to pick up on what the upperclassmen are doing when they they have all these like jokes and um, in in uh, in group rituals and the whole Pete Ward thing the thing where he picks up on the fact that it's uh, not real and then the other freshmen don't but then when he tries to like talk about it to the rest of the team the rest of the team's like what are you talking about of course Pete Ward is real like who who are you to say he's not. <laughs> It's just so great. Um, so yeah, Jake, Jake is like, he's not the most interesting character, but that's kind of how the narrative needs him to be. Yeah, I mean, that was basically why I wanted to talk about him because I feel like all the other characters are so distinct. And I think that, like you said, I think he's very much so a blank character that exists as like someone that the audience member can project themselves onto in order to feel like they're a part of this world. And because he's kind of just like, the guy who takes us from place to place so that we can be in the place that we need to be in order to witness everything that's going on. And I, I, I I don't know. It's not that he's kind of like you said, it's not that he's boring. Like I do think he is a character like he's not Bella Swan. He's not nothing, you know, like he does have. Yeah, actually. Well, sorry, finish. And then all he does have aspects to himself that I do see as being, you know, distinctly Jake or uniquely Jake or whatever I really particularly I love that that sequence where he sees his baseball friend from high school who's now a punk guy and Mm. we see how Jake is kind of oh this is someone where I'm really comfortable with them because I played baseball with them for four years and like I feel like I can really be myself with him and just be like yeah let's go I love the scene at the party after that where they're doing that game where you like spin around on the baseball mm-hmm. you like drink and spin around the, the thing and then you hit the baseball and it's like clearly they have played this game with each other at parties for years and like you said they're so comfortable with each other even though they have such different they're part of such different like cultural sort of community groups now their bond is so strong it's really great. yeah and I love that that contrast at least for me I see it as a contrast of when he's on this baseball team I do have a strong sense of he's still kind of learning his place and learning how much of myself can I actually be around these people if I'm if I act like this will they make fun of me if I act like this will they think I'm cool if I act like this will they think I'm boring like he's really testing the waters to figure out who am I with these people but then when he's with his friend from high school it's very much so like I just have this sense of he feels comfortable of like this guy knows me I know him let's do the thing. And I also kind of feel like we see that in his relationship, if you can even call it that, with Beverly too, of him kind of feeling like this is a place where I feel like I can be myself, but at the same time, I feel like I have to invite my teammates along, even though in my heart of hearts, I kind of don't want you to be here, but also I kind of want you to be here because I want to build these relationships with you, but also like I want to be myself and I feel like I can't be fully myself when you're And so I like that dynamic of, in my opinion, it's these two different like scenarios where he has this opportunity to be himself and he does do that, but then he also has to bring his team along. And I just think it's really interesting how that, how that happens. Then obviously we see him at the end when he's just with Beverly and, you know, none of his teammates are there at all. I think for the first and only time in the movie where he's somewhere in his team. Yeah, I think apart from when he's 
apart from when he first arrives on campus yeah I yeah think you're and right. so i think that it's just interesting that like i think throughout the movie he kind of at least for me seems kind of blah because he's just kind of like i don't know who i am and let's just figure it out but then we get those moments where it's like oh this is who he is and i think the fact that we have those two different perspectives on his character is what makes him interesting at least for me yeah actually i like i first said that he was a blank slate but then actually as i as you're talking i'm like actually no i think he is kind of an interesting character because for me i think the idea of jake and i don't i'm not saying that this is what richard linklater was specifically writing him to be but i feel like he is the the whole movie is from his point of view. I feel like Jake is, has this sort of writer's or poet's or filmmaker's perspective on things. Like, I feel like he has that kind of artistic point of view within him. Um, not that he is consciously doing it, but you can see in the way that he is observing the things around them and absorbing them and processing them. And then when you have those moments of him being with Beverly, and can I, I really, really love the relationship between Jake and Beverly. I don't know if it worked for you, but for me, I think they're, I think they have just this really sweet and very natural chemistry. And I have a very strong head canon that I really think the relationship is going to work. I think that I see them as being one of those couples that just, gravitated toward each other in freshman year like we always we all had those friends that like they've just been together since freshman year and something about them just clicked and they've just been together ever since like maybe they break up once in like senior year and then they get back together and they get married and you know they she doesn't move to New York and he doesn't become a baseball player but they have this perfectly happy life like I just I think they really work together and the reason is because like there is this part of him that I think comes out when he's with her and you can see why they're so similar there is this sort of artistic philosophical poetical side of him that she's able to bring out of him and she's then also able to even though she doesn't really understand baseball she's able to understand his passion his competitiveness because there is that in her as well they're able to meet on this level that I think is really beautiful like I love 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 that scene of the two of them after the the party when they're swimming and he's telling her about his college essay and you know how he put Sisyphus and baseball just put them together and she's like what what are you talking about um but it's just the vibes of it of just you know this relatable idea of you know in college you go to an event and then you end up with someone at like two in the morning and you have the most deep and intense conversation of your yeah, life as I experienced like I feel like repeatedly when I was in college <laughs> I feel like we've kind of all been there um but like you know I mean I'm not saying that the thing that he's saying is the most profound thing but it is you know for a a, a outwardly baseball bro college freshman type of thing like he is thinking more deeply and more critically about what it is that he appreciates about sports the role that it has in his life the the ways that it gives his life meaning and you can see him then being able to kind of take that and apply it to other you know the next thing in his life whatever that might be um and so yeah I like as I'm talking I'm like actually I I do think there's more to Jake than just being the sort of blank slate audience member is I think he does have this sort of writer's perspective on things in the sense that he is kind of absorbing all of these experiencing experiences and kind of um, processing them and breaking them down and you can see how he could then maybe apply them in some sort of um, artistic way in his later life yeah 
Do you have any thoughts? I'm just curious on Jake and Beverly's relationship. Like I said, I feel very, I really like their chemistry and I feel very strongly that I think they would work as a couple. Obviously, we were only seeing the very beginning of their relationship, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say I remember, I remember the first time I watched this movie their romance really did it for me. The The scene where they're kind of floating down the river, I really liked that a lot. Um, I felt like this movie in so many ways, including like their relationship, is just the, the beginning, right? And the movie is meant to be that, which is why we have this countdown. And then, you know, the movie ends mm-hmm. with, you know, things actually beginning, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't have... It's interesting. I didn't connect with it as much this time around. Uh, maybe that's just because I knew what was coming. Um And I also think that's because my point of view on romantic relationships has just like changed and broadened in the last few years. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think, I think they're cute. It's, I definitely uh, wish that I have had a moment in my life where I stayed up till the sun, you know, talking to somebody that I felt close to in that sort of way have not had that experience. No. Um, I, I know that you had mi- many, many times. <laughs> um, <laughs> Actually, genuinely, the very first college interview that I had, um, which is not for the col- a college that I ended up going to, um, but I just remember the interviewer asking this question of like, what are you most looking forward to about your college experience? And I was like, I don't really know. Um, but it somehow it came on, it got to like, she was like, all right, here's the thing that I loved most or that I think you should look forward to most and it was like really deep 3 a.m conversations and I was like that sounds amazing (laughs) and like that's just what I I love like I love getting deep and pretentious and you know staying up to all hours and just having conversations and thinking deeply and connecting with people I've done that before I just haven't done it with anyone in a romantic capacity (laughs) oh yeah no 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 I yeah I should I should clarify I've not unfortunately had that experience in a romantic capacity I've had it with friends you know really close friends I've, I've had it with several friends too I'm I'm very grateful for that um but anyway yeah I mean I I I like them together that's that's kind of all I can really say um I like the concept of uh, someone who is an artist not understanding sports being able to see that through someone else's eyes and someone who is an athlete and not understanding theater being able to appreciate that through someone else's eyes um, I think yeah I don't know I, I I like them that's that's kind of all I could can say I don't necessarily yeah, no, reasonable foresee them getting married and living a perfectly happy life I, I don't know um, I may have watched this movie and thought about this a little. Geneva's too much. written a lot of fan fiction about it. Um, <laughs> um self-insert character getting married to Finn. Anyway, yeah, I mean, I don't have like too much else to to say about it. I like I like that they're able to have fun with each other in a in a cute little weird way of him, you know, coming on stage while she's doing her <laughs> little performance that I don't understand what it is. Um. Oh yeah, have you never um so that's the it's the dating game I think is what it's called. It's like a, a classic improv oh, okay. game. They used to play it on Who's yeah, Line. I was like it's Alice in Wonderland themed, um, but aside from that I have no idea what this is. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, cuz she'd um she'd enlisted him cuz someone dropped out. And it's so cute because it's like he's terrible at it but in a very yeah. endearing way. And you again, you can I feel like you can kind of see like, all right, I can see how these two people even though they seem very outwardly very different how yeah. they could intersect. Totally. Um, all right. Well, before, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or even just like 
I don't know, random moments that we've, because they're just, as we said. It's like, I can't even remember all of them. I would have to watch the movie. Like, there's just so, there's so many. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's so many. Yeah. There's just, again, just go watch this movie. Go watch this movie. There's just, every scene, every line is so good. Um, There are so many little amazing, hilarious moments that we're not talking about. Can I just mention the quote? I think we said it before we started recording. So I want to make sure we say it while we're recording. (laughs) the 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 last line mm-hmm. with finn where he's like i want it on my desk tomorrow a bibliography annotated highlighted <laughs> <laughs> so great so great i love that as a final line for him i think it's fantastic um okay so uh we should probably start wrapping this up um so in terms of this movie's um, legacy, sadly, did not receive any Oscar nominations, did receive many Oscar nominations in my heart, but um, none in the world we live in. Um, but it did have a great critical response. So right now, Rotten Tomatoes has it at 87%. Metacritic has it at 85 And I've pulled two critic reviews that I think um, really sum up some things that I love about this movie. So this is by Dan Coys uh, from Slate. He says, the young men of Everybody Wants Some are desperate to get laid. No denying. Everybody in this movie wants some, and that urge, overtly expressed again and again by grinning jocks with flowing locks, can feel a bit oppressive. But what won me over was how Linklater, though staying true to the sometimes blinkered viewpoint of his 20-year-olds, allows the non-horny aspects of their personality to creep into the edges of the frame. At Movie Start, we're presented with a bunch of dudes who care only about baseball and sex. By the end, we've learned that they wonder about music, about love, about philosophy and drugs and the future, and the joys of fresh experiences, and the tricky dance of declaring allegiance to a lifestyle, and baseball, <laughs> and sex. All right, and this, then this is by uh, Emily St. James from Vox. She writes, You realize, slowly but surely, that these were guys defined by the places they grew up. In a few days, they'll be defined by their status as star athletes at college and by the classes they take and the majors they pursue. But for right now, they're just young men having fun, trying to figure out who they are. What's important in life aren't the big big dramatic moments or even the major changes. What's important in life is what happens between those moments when people connect and life is honestly lived. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's definitely my takeaway from this movie. Yeah. Emily St. James's review is a really good one. She really talks about the idea of time in this movie and this idea of um, the passage of time and how that's depicted in the works of Linklater in general and then this movie specifically. Definitely well worth a look. All right. Final thoughts. Um, yeah, this this movie is just so, so freaking fun. <laughs> and like I said, it, it really does make me think, um, you know, it's it's a movie that is so vibesy and so chill and almost nothing happens. And yet I really do come away thinking about this idea of how we connect as part of groups, how we form relationships with each other, how we find our identities, how we, um, um, how we find meaning and purpose in life. Um, it, you know, whether that purpose is, is for many people through sports, through um, connecting with each other, each other through um, athletic activity. Uh, For me, it tends to be more through the arts, um, similar to Beverly. But I love the fact that it it allows these characters to meet on this level and um, connect through the shared joys of passion and, um, you know, the excitement of living and and new things and discovery and um, enjoyment. And yeah, it's just, it's a really beautiful movie that has some, some profound things to say 
despite being, you know, just a lot of fun vibes as well. <laughs> so what about you, Tatum? Any any final thoughts? So after school, I take a dip in the pool, which is really on the wall. I got a colored TV so I can see so I can see the Knicks play basketball. <laughs> Um, yeah, this, this movie is just a lot of fun. I, I'm not going to like go into all of it over again because we've been talking for a very long time about this movie. Um, but yeah, this movie is just a lot of fun. That's, that's all I will say. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend go watch it. Um, I know it's not streaming anywhere, rent it, get a DVD, whatever you got to do. It is worth your time. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, do you want to tell the people what film we're going to be covering next week yes um i don't know how much our audience is going to be down for uh, a, a relatively older black and white russian foreign language film but next week we will be watching the 1962 russian film called ivan's childhood directed by the legendary andrei tarkovsky he is one of the most influential filmmakers of all time, um, visually in terms of his themes and stories and actor. I mean, I, he's a genius and this is a really, uh, a really great introduction to his filmography because a lot of his movies tend to be quite long, um, and very slow paced and slow moving. This one is definitely still slow, but it's, it's, I think it's an under two hour runtime. So it's a lot easier to consume. Um, it is, it's visually stunning. It's a masterpiece. It really is. Um, so yeah, I love Andrzej Tarkovsky and this is not my favorite film of his because all of his films are my favorite. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's a great, it's a great introduction to his films. And, uh, I hope I look forward to talking about more of his movies on this podcast in the future, but, uh, yeah, next week we'll be talking about Ivan's childhood. All right. I'm very excited. I've never seen any Tar- Tarkovsky. So uh, I remember when we'll talk about this a little bit, but I just remember how <laughs> excited Data was when she first saw this movie a couple of years ago and yes. kind of went on a deep dive on Tarkovsky's filmography and was just raving to me about it. So I'm excited. I bought finally... his book. I have a book written by him. That's great. It's Oh, called... yes. It's called Something in Time. Uh, Yeah, Reflections in Time. I don't know. If I was in my apartment right now, it would be right next to me, but it's not. Uh, Something Time. It's great. I've I've read sections, uh, like quotes from that book um, during my master's, and he's he's a really thoughtful and interesting writer. Um, So, yeah, very, very excited to see this. Yes. Please, please, audience. I know it's a black and white older foreign language (laughs) film. Please watch it. It's very good. I don't, I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. Get it from your local library. I don't know, but foreign language films are great. Please watch it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this will it'll be our job in the next episode to to sell it on our audience. If anyone has not yet seen it by the time the yes. episode comes out, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, so that's going to be it for today. Thanks so much for listening. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at yourpickpod at gmail.com. Our theme song was composed by Joel Rushton, and our podcast graphic was designed by Kara Shin. If you like this show and want to hear more, please rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're excited to have you on this journey with us. Until next time. Mm-hmm.